Hey everyone, glad to have all you guys back here for another episode of the 5-1 Volleyball Podcast. The best place on the internet to follow the world of men's pro volleyball. And right now in pro volleyball, the main thing that's going on guys is the Volleyball Nations League. Just finished round four, about to start round five. So on this podcast, I'll be going over the situation heading into the last week of the regular round of Nations League, as well as some big news, a couple of major countries announcing their Olympic rosters in the USA and France. So I'll talk about my thoughts on those two rosters. I'm sure we'll have the rest announcing soon enough. So that's gonna be exciting to talk about. Olympics coming up before you know it. So I hope you guys enjoy the VNL stuff. I hope you guys enjoy the Olympic stuff and enjoy the podcast. Alright, so in the VNL heading into the final week, there are basically six teams on the men's side that are still competitive to get to the final four. Just a reminder guys, not a final six this year, final four, which I actually kind of like. It feels like the stakes are high going into the last week of competition here. If it weren't for this format, then we would have like a pretty easily decided Serbia, France, Russia, Slovenia, Poland, and Brazil, but now it's just going to be four of those teams. And... First on this podcast, I'm going to break down kind of what the situation is, which teams have a tough schedule heading into the final uh, round of play here, which teams are most likely to get through. So first, let's talk about Brazil, which has done a great job so far in Nations League, but playing pretty strong lineups almost every match, and they are 11-1, very impressive, and pretty much guaranteed to make the final four. I still think there's a few ways it could turn out that they don't make it. Um, if, you know, Russia wins all three of their games, if Slovenia, Poland also win all their games. But it has to be an extremely, extraordinarily unlikely scenario, especially since two of the teams in their pool are Germany and Italy, who Brazil should have no trouble at least beating one of those teams for full points. So I would count Brazil in. And the other team in that pool, Russia, is kind of interesting. Had a very good start but has been kind of inconsistent since then. and But still, I mean, the fact they're eight and four, for me, that feels like they've played worse than their record. I feel like a lot of people have been critical of them throughout the Nations League, but still Russia is such a talented squad that even though they're not playing at their best, still eight and four could potentially get them into the finals here. Again, those matches against Italy and Germany, I would say are must wins for Russia. And then they have a pretty important match against Brazil when that will be taking place on the last day of Nations League on Wednesday, June 23rd. So that's definitely one to tune into. I'm assuming it won't be that important for Brazil, but for Russia, that could potentially determine if they are going to make it or not. So that's going to be a fun one to follow. And personally, I think Russia, you know, I picked them as my winner for Nations League and that could still feasibly happen. They haven't Definitely haven't lived up to their full potential. There have been a few injuries among the way. Um, you know, Victor Politaev hasn't looked fully healthy. Igor Kliuka has not looked great at times. Still obviously no Ivan Yakovlev, but could potentially still get the gold here despite all the struggles along the way. So the other really interesting pool to me in the last week here is France, Iran, Poland, and Argentina. Four pretty strong teams here and two teams who definitely have final four hopes in France and Poland, especially Poland is the number two team in the tournament right now at 10 and two with 30 points. So 
They're pretty comfortably in second. As you know, guys, we go by wins, then points, then sets ratio, then points ratio, which, you know, it could end up coming down to one of those one of those ratios. But Poland so far has kind of mixed and matched their roster playing, I think, a pretty much a different roster every single uh, match. But it's worked out well for them. As I've said many times on the podcast, the depth in Polish volleyball is absolutely insane, especially at the outside hitter position and middle blocker position, as we've seen. They've always, almost always have the best outside hitters and middle blockers in the match, even if they are not playing their starters. And obviously that will continue into the last week. It's going to be interesting to me if they decide to go a little bit harder, especially in that match against France, which is a double win because they would beat France and knock them out of potential win and also get a win for themselves. But then the other match is Argentina versus Poland is going to be a big one as well. And that is taking place on Monday, June 21st. And Poland versus Iran, of course, there's a little bit of a rivalry there, a little bit of tension in past matches. I know I kind of doubt Michal Kubiak will play in that one, given maybe the most hated player among Iranian fans in the world. Go look up Michal Kubiak versus Iran volleyball if you want to know what I'm talking about. But... I mean, Poland's a fantastic team, but, you know, they could theoretically lose against two of these three teams or even all three of these teams, which would leave them at 10 wins for the tournament, which, you know, I feel like it's going to be 11 is going to be the magic number to get into the final four. Because if you look at it right now, uh, Brazil at 11, Poland at 10, Slovenia at 9, and then I feel like one of Russia, France, and probably Serbia, I feel like Serbia is the best chance of those three teams to sweep their pool, get the three wins, and finish at 11 and four. So maybe maybe one 10 win team will make it through, but for me, I feel like it's you're gonna need to get to 11. And will Poland get there? For sure, they're a better team than all three of, of France, Argentina, and Iran, but a pretty tough pool to end things here for Poland. So part of me wonders if we're gonna see maybe a bit more Leon, a little bit more uh, Fabian Drija, and, you know, some of their other stronger, you know, Satorsky, some of their stronger players uh, play a little more consistently in the last week. And I mean, a similar story for France, who have played a pretty good tournament so far, had a, a strange loss to uh, Italy at the end of the uh, last round, which, you know, they weren't playing all their starters. So part of me kind of wonders, France is not really maybe trying too hard to uh, win at Volleyball Nations League 2021. Obviously, a lot of teams have their sights set in the Olympics, but... For me, some of those, you know, maybe throwing a couple of bigger players uh, towards the end of some of those games. But France, especially when they're not playing Engapet, they're not playing Tony Udi, they're not even on the bench. They're just uh, <laughs> sitting on the sideline playing uh, Tetris on their iPhones or Irvin Engapet's, you know, checking out his newest uh, album release or something like that. They're, they're not even in the game at all. So I guess there wasn't that option for France. Yeah, tough pull for them going up against Poland, Iran, Argentina. Again, they could win all three games. Unlikely, though. So, unfortunately, I feel like France, it's going to be a really long road for them to get the uh, the three wins that I think it'll take to get to the finals. But again, France versus Poland June 23rd is going to be a very fun match, in my opinion. That's, that's going to be definitely one to circle on your calendar. And then the, the reason why I said Serbia, I think, has the best chance of all these teams to get to the final four with the 11 wins is because their pool isn't that tough. They have Australia, Canada, and the Netherlands in their pool. All three of those teams near the bottom of the standings. 
So I think Serbia will take care of Australia and the Netherlands fairly easily. We've seen even when uh, Namir Abdelaziz is scoring 35, 40 points that the Netherlands still can't beat good teams. I guess Canada is probably the team that could potentially play spoiler for Serbia. Obviously, Canada hasn't played that well this VNL and does not seem to be taking it that seriously, almost it seems. Uh, a lot of the players uh, seem a little more relaxed and not as intense, which I don't know, it's, I'm making excuses maybe, but, but Canada still has a, a few things to figure out and does not seem to be in any position to ever even want a chance of qualifying for the Final Four since the start of the tournament. But they are still definitely the most talent, second most talented team in this pool by quite a big margin. So, you know, on Canada on a good day still can beat pretty much any team uh, with, you know, Gord Perrin, Graham Vigress, Blair Ban still playing like elite players at their positions. And, you know, if Shawan Vernon Evans is having a good day, he's playing like an elite player as well. That's a team that could for sure take out Serbia or even a 2-3 loss would still give Serbia some headaches. So that game is taking place on June 23rd. Uh, but barring that, it looks like Serbia is well on their way to getting to 11 wins and getting to the final four. So, so far it's looking like Brazil, Poland, Serbia probably at 11. And of course, the last team we have to talk about that I think probably will qualify given the, the nature of their games coming up is Slovenia, who also has, I guess, a, a little bit of an easier pool here against USA, Japan, and Bulgaria. Bulgaria we've seen is kind of, you know, stopped trying to win games as well not playing Sokolov as much kind of playing a lot of the younger guys so they have not looked like a uh, contender or at least or even a tough opponent recently Japan has also been out of the final four race for uh, you know at least one one round maybe a bit longer now and they've been uh, sitting a lot of their top players as well however you could see uh, you know Japan has a bit of a, a fight to pick with Slovenia given the uh, the results of the last Maybe I'm not sure it's the exact last time they played, but probably is the uh, 2017 World League Finals that Slovenia beat Japan in uh, World League Round 2 to qualify for World League Round 1, which was then cut. So Slovenia was supposed to be in, should have been in Nations League for sure. It's mind-boggling that they weren't, considering that they would have qualified as one of the top 12 teams to uh, World League, but they're finally back in it. And looking very impressive. Slovenia has been playing incredible volleyball recently. And, you know, it's not really in the way that I expected it. And I, for sure, I, I would say I got most of the rankings right in my uh, preview videos, preview rankings. But the one I missed on by a lot was Slovenia. Because uh, I didn't really expect them to, to play the way they were playing. Which is basically playing a really, really tight, solid block defense. They, they have, they're one of the best blocking teams in Nations League. And have very solid defense behind them. And they're, you know, I was, I was very worried about Tonchek Stern potentially being a focal point of the offense, but A, he's playing better than he was in Padova. Obviously, you know, sometimes guys play better on their national teams when they're more comfortable with the tempo, with the more comfortable with the players, the setter. And B, they've actually been going, running a lot of their offense through Clement Chebulge, the outside hitter, who's done a fantastic job at being that primary scorer for Slovenia. And it's almost like this old school style of volleyball where they're running mostly front row stuff. They're, the Slovenia doesn't go to the back row very often. They're running into position four as much as they can, you know, use the middles as kind of a decoy secondary offense. And, you know, throwing it back to a positions one and two when they can, but it's not a focus for them. So I thought that was interesting, uh, you know, how Slovenia's played. Because I feel like it's, it's different than when they played, how they played in Euro Volley 2019, 
when they came in second and had that legendary run where they beat Poland, where they beat Russia. And in that case, I felt like it was more of a balanced offensive attack and sometimes even going through the middles as, as their primary weapon, whereas the outside hitters were there as a kind of a release valve when things got hairy. But I feel like now, I don't know if it's, if it's Gregor Pret as the main setter instead of Dejan Vincic, but they seem to have this like really nice, clean tempo play, in-system tempo play to position four that Chibulj, he has tons of options um, and has been doing a great job of scoring it, hitting it over 40% efficiency throughout the tournament, which is pretty good as a first option for more maybe a defensive-minded team like Slovenia. And that's I guess that's the thing with them. The key with them is that they are a defense-first team. They're not worried about going terminal every single time because they know they have really smart, really accurate technical blockers that can get a, a pretty good rebound, pretty good transition opportunity for them more often than not. So Slovenia has had a great tournament. I mean, a challenger team coming in, a newly promoted team coming in and probably going to make the finals here because if we look at their matches, Japan, I don't think is going to play their best players. That game's happening on June 22nd could be the, probably the biggest chance of an upset. USA again, there is potential that USA still wants to see uh, Taylor Sander, Matt Anderson out on the court a bit more. So they actually could be starting a pretty good lineup. That's going to be, might be a tough upset for Slovenia as well, taking place on June 21st. But, you know, if Slovenia can knock out two of these games and get to the final four, I mean, look at Portugal. <laughs> Not really the uh, the best challenger opponent when they played. Look at some of the women's teams, Canada, that came through getting not knocked right back down again. So this whole concept of a challenger team coming in and getting to the Final Four, very impressive from Slovenia. And I really hope they're able to pull this out. It'd be quite disappointing if at this point in the tournament they did not make the Final Four. Anyway, so officially my predictions are Brazil, Poland, Slovenia, Serbia for the Men's Final Four Volleyball Nations League taking place on June 26th for the semifinals and June 27th for the finals. Stay tuned, guys, for a preview, either video or audio form on 5-1 Volleyball channels because very excited. I feel like we're going to see some interesting stuff in the final four. Okay, and I'm back, and we have... A very juicy, juicy, delicious piece of news with Team USA Volleyball here. John Spira announcing the roster for the Men's Volleyball Nations League. They announced the women's roster as well, which had some controversial setting decisions as well, if you um, are inter interested in that. But for now, we're going to focus on the men's roster for Team USA VNL. And a couple of interesting omissions. Of course, we have to start with the fact that Aaron Russell had hip surgery earlier on this summer, will definitely not participate in uh, the Olympics, which is incredibly unfortunate for Team USA. He was one of their key players. Ivan is one of the top outside hitters in the world, was supposed to be an absolutely pivotal part of their USA Volleyball Olympic dream. Unfortunately, he will not be participating. And for me, that takes them from like one of the top elite contenders to probably around the... Maybe a little higher than France, a little higher than that kind of second tier. Still on the outskirts, I think this team is still good enough to win a medal. And I still think they're good enough to win a gold medal if everything falls right to, for them. They still have exceptionally talented players, some of the best at each position, with Taylor Sander, Michael Christensen, Matt Anderson, Eric Shoji. However, there have been some issues during VNL. Hasn't been all smooth. 
mainly some concerning play from two who were supposed to be two of their absolutely elite locked-in middles in David Smith and Max Holt. Whether it's because of injuries, whether it's because of fatigue, who knows what it is, but those two guys have not looked their best. During Nations League, there's also been some injury concerns with Matt Anderson. There's some injury concerns with Taylor Sander, who wasn't playing for a lot of the beginning of Nations League. And I think there were like all these rumors floating around that he was going to miss the Olympics too. Thank goodness that's not the case because it just makes things a lot less interesting with the overall field. But still, some, some definite concerns for Team USA after things were looking uh, very smooth a few months ago. Things were finally looking out for Team USA, but then... Aaron, I don't know, Team USA is cursed because they've just had the worst injury luck over the past couple of years. Anyway, before I ramble on too much, let's get to this roster. So at outside hitter, we have Taylor Sander, TJ DeFalco, Thomas Jaski, and Garrett Magatutia, who I cannot believe has <laughs> made the Olympic roster. I mean, he's a nice guy. He seems like a solid locker room guy, which is going to be a bit of a theme here. I, I think there's a certain personality type that Sparal was was picking for, and I think that influenced a few of the bench decisions. I feel like outside hitter actually might be one of the most interesting topics here. Taylor Sander, for me, absolute lock. I think there's no scenario that you can do well at the Olympics for Team USA without Taylor Sander being your P1 starting outside hitter. And I know a lot of people have said he doesn't look the best when he's out there, but he's, I don't know, he still looks incredible on the stat sheet. He's still by far the most efficient attacker for Team USA, even attacking more efficiently than some of the middles. And for me, he, he looks fine. He's incredibly athletic and dominant at the net. We, we know that uh, Michael Christensen to Taylor Sander pipe bomb isn't one of the most elite runs in volleyball. So for me, he's a uh, absolute lock, no-brainer. The real question is, who's going to play beside him? And there's a few options here. We can cross out Garrett Mwagatutia pretty much immediately. I mean, he's maybe fine to receive or play some back row defense in a pinch. But even then, for me, there's guys who are better at that. So I would leave him completely out. He's a locker room guy. And I would be a little angrier at this decision if there were anyone else who could actually play right now. And it's kind of seems so odd to me that USA's um, outside hitter depth pretty much only goes three or four deep. Like after Jaishki and DeFalco, there's no offense to some of these other guys because they're still extremely talented players playing in in good leagues around the world, guys like Cody Kessel and Jordan Ewert, but there's, they're not guys that you can bring to uh, an Olympic-level tournament. So a little surprising how much it falls off a cliff, but even then, I might I might actually consider Cody Kessel above Garrett Magadutia. Anyway, me personally, I know TJ DeFalco had quite a good Nations League, especially the start, but you guys can see as the tournament has progressed, kind of the two sides of, of TJ DeFalco. He can have some really good games. He can you know do all this cool stuff. He can dig balls with like his pinky he can do roll shots out of the pipe position that somehow score off the block he can do a lot of really interesting athletic stuff he can you know jump over the stands run back and, and block the ball but i still think jayski has a little bit higher of a ceiling even with all the injury concerns he's had tj defalco has definitely had the better nations league so far hitting 40 percent efficiency on the tournament but i still think it's a question to be answered in the team usa gym between DeFalco and Jaishki to see who's going to be the bigger contributor, what the team needs more of. Because do they really need DeFalco to come in there and be like this point-scoring, creative guy who can create attacks out of nothing? I don't know. I think they have Matt Anderson and Taylor Sander who they're going to be able to go to on a lot of high balls and junky stuff. So 
I don't know if TJ DeFalco necessarily fits in better to the team than Thomas Jayski. We'll see. That, that one's still up in the air for me. Of course, the other alternative is to have Matt Anderson play uh, the other outside hitter position where he's played all of his club career. Very successful there. Excellent passer, actually, which maybe a lot not all Team USA fans know that Matt Anderson's like probably the second best passer on the team after uh, after uh, Taylor Sander and, of course, you know, not the liberos as well. But for Team USA, I feel like they've always found more value in letting him hit a few more balls, taking a few higher set load, hitting a lot of out-of-system stuff because, you know, Team USA loves running that hyper-quick, very back-row-focused, in-system offense. So when they do go out-of-system, they need someone who's going to, you know, have a few different runs, a few different options. And Matt Anderson has done great as that guy, especially hitting out-of-position one in the back row for Team USA. For me... Matt Anderson would maybe make sense as the second outside hitter if you were very comfortable with Ben Patch playing opposite, which brings me to the next position, which is opposite. And actually, Ben Patch left off the roster entirely, so he will not be going to Tokyo. And Kyle Ansing as the second opposite behind Matt Anderson. Personally, I kind of disagree with this decision. I think when you're playing at the Olympics, you're playing for one thing only, and that's a medal. It doesn't matter if you're fifth versus seventh versus you lose every game. It's medal or nothing. That's the only thing that matters at the Olympics, and especially a gold medal is really what you want. And for me, Kyle Ensing is more consistent than Patch, probably for sure. He's a solid attacker, solid blocker, decent server, but he doesn't bring you a ton to the game. And I don't think he's ever going to be a top-tier opposite or even a second-tier opposite. He's kind of like a solid third-level guy. You know, could I ever see him starting in Italy? Probably not. But he could have a reasonably successful career playing in other leagues around the world. But, you know, this is Team USA Volleyball. This is a team that's in medal contention. He's not a guy you want to play a lot of. However, Ben Patch is a guy, when he's playing at his best, like in the finals of the German Bundesliga versus Friedrichshafen, he is an absolute force to be reckoned with. Easily one of the most athletic players in volleyball. Vertical, it's you know, well over 40 inches for a guy who's already 6'8 plus. So he is an athletic force. And I feel like, you know, worst case scenario, some, something, some injury happens to Matt Anderson or, or he's not playing well. Or you want something, uh, a bit of a switch up. Kyle Ensing playing at his best is not going to be nearly enough for you to win those matches against teams like Poland, Brazil, and Russia. You need, you know, you need to throw the Hail Mary with Ben Patch in there. And you have to hope he's playing like his best games at Berlin. He's, you know, He's finding his way around the block. He's playing like we've seen flashes of because that's the only way you're going to win. Yes, maybe he only plays like that 15, 20% of the time. But if you're somehow backed into a corner where that's your only option, Ben Patch for me is for sure the guy to get it done. And like I alluded to earlier, maybe there's some personality issues with uh, some personality clashes with some of the players on the team. I'm not sure if that factors into it at all. For me, you know, they seem like nice guys. Like I can't imagine there, there's too much of an issue of uh, egos or personalities between these guys on the team. But I, I, I don't know. I really don't see what Kyle, Kyle Ensing helps you in any way at the Olympics. A uh, bit of a strange decision in my opinion. And almost a similar argument here with the middles. Uh, the middles that Spiral brought. David Smith, Max Holt, and the third one, Mitch Stahl. Who, who I like Mitch Stahl. I actually think, you know, uh, probably a bit of an underrated middle. Can have a nasty serve at times of this hybrid spin serve but taylor Alvarez was my pick for the mvp in france this year he's hitting blistering numbers in nations league for team usa you know extremely efficient attacking uh 
not quite quite as good at blocking, but still, when he does get the read, get the touch on the block, he does a very good job of either converting it directly into points with a stuff block or converting into a nice rebound for his team. Maybe Mitch Saul gets a few more touches, but Taylor Alvaro, in my opinion, uh, is almost as effective in blocking. And also, as, as my good friend Rob St. Clair said on his podcast he did with Everett, where they go over this exact same subject, the Volleyball Source podcast, check that out if you want more discussion on this topic. Taylor Avril would be the only float server on the Team USA Volleyball. So just having that little bit of switch up would also, you know, there's an argument for that, that you need one float server so that you're not just spinning, 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 and the opposing receivers can get into a rhythm. So I, I think Taylor Avril probably should have been the third middle over Mitch Stahl. I, you know, I've read some people saying that, oh, why you should have just left either David Smith or Max Holt off the roster entirely. And, you know, I kind of understand where they're coming from because both of them have not looked that great during Nations League. However, I, I'm going to say that was never in question. Um, just because, again, like I said, if Team USA actually wants to win a, a medal and, and a gold medal, then they're going to have to do that probably with Max uh, Max Holt and David Smith playing, starting, and playing like the top-tier elite players that we've seen both of them be over the last few seasons. Taylor Avril is great, but, you know, top-tier Taylor Avril is still... Uh, still a couple steps below top tier Max Holt and top tier David Smith. And I don't think Team USA can get to the next level, can get those Olympic medals with a top tier Taylor Avril as their best middle. So that's why I think David Smith, Max Holt, you, you just have to, you know, hope they have a few more weeks to rest, figure out whatever is bothering them. Because I do think it's mostly a physical thing more so than a, than a mental thing, especially because we just saw, especially David Smith play like incredible volleyball with Zaxa and Kojle winning the uh, Champions League Super Finals. So I would just try and trust those guys a bit more. Probably would have liked to see Avril as the third medal, but Mitch Stahl, st still pretty solid. Setters, again, Micah Christensen, he he's your number one guy. And throughout all of these injury concerns with basically the rest of the team, Micah Christensen's been the Iron Man of all these players. And thank goodness, because he is such an important part to this Team USA roster. You know, if, if he goes down with something or isn't able to play, like this team has no chance whatsoever of, of getting anywhere close to a medal. Kavika Shoji also making the roster as a second setter. Do I think he's the second best setter in, in the USA volleyball system? No, definitely not. Josh Tuaniga, I think at this point, is uh, demonstrably better at setting than Kavika Shoji, especially if you just compare their seasons in Poland where Tuaniga was starting most of the year and enhancing an already uh, very good Slovaki squad. But, I mean, there's no way uh, politically you can leave Kavika Shoji off the team. Obviously, Eric Shoji is your primary player. If something were to happen and you left Kavika off and Eric's still on and then Eric's going to be mad the entire tournament, that's you know, could throw you off completely. Also, just Kavika's, you know, good friends with a lot of the players, especially with Michael Christensen. He's a great team locker room guy. And not to bash his play at all, he's still an extremely talented setter and I think can give a, a bit of a different tempo look than Michael Christensen, maybe... Uh, can even sub in for a set or two, playing some of the weaker teams in the tournament. But yeah, I, I don't disagree with the choice, but I don't think he's, if you're just looking purely setting progress, I don't think Kavikas Shoji's the second best setter. Libero, as I said, Eric Shoji, bada boom, bada bing, easy peasy. One of the best liberos in the world and playing playing extremely well right now as well. He's like still peaking as a libero and he's very fun to watch. I uh, don't think Dustin Wadden was ever in consideration. Uh, by the way, guys, Olympics, 12 people rosters. If you're wondering why, okay, well, why don't you just bring Taylor Alvarez the fourth middler? Dustin Wadden is the second libero. 12 players, which is, is a shame because 14 players is what it should be. 
all these guys worked very hard to get to where they are. And to leave a player like Taylor Averill or Ben Patch off a roster at this point when they've been competing so hard and so often with Team USA is a, is a real shame. But yeah, pretty much no team is going to bring a, uh, a second libero. Okay, so there's Team USA's roster. Now let's talk about the other national federation that announced their roster, which is France. So kind of cool, two teams that I guess are not in the top elite tier of contenders with Poland, Brazil, and Russia, but USA, France, probably the next teams after that. So let's start with the easiest, most obvious position, which is setter. Ben Taniyuti, Antoine Brizard, two of the best setters in the world, which is a little bit awkward for France because they're both so ridiculously good. Ben Taniyuti with the precise ball placements and ability to run fast tempo balls from almost anywhere on the court. Brizard with a little bit stronger of a serve, a much bigger block, obviously being about six inches taller than Taniyuti. Still, still an extremely precise setter, but maybe lacks the, the technical magic that Ben Taniyuti has. I'm assuming Taniyuti is going to be the starter going forward, especially he just had like one of the best setter seasons ever with Zaksika, Jush, and Kojlai. But as we've seen, Rizard will likely get some looks as well. At the middle blocker position, we have Nicholas the Goff, Bartholomew Chininez, or Chininezzi, as I've heard his name being pronounced by the VNL commentators, and Daryl Boutour. So I guess interesting for people to see that Kevin LaRue not included on the roster. That's because he is injured right now, and I guess they're not confident that he has a chance of getting back into playing shape. However, for me, I actually probably wouldn't have started him anyway. I probably would have gone with Lagoff and Chininezzi, even if LaRue had been healthy. I think people who haven't maybe been following the club volleyball or the, I guess, the non-pro volleyball or non-national team volleyball scene... Kevin LaRue really hasn't been that good uh, for a couple years now. He's looked a bit slower. He's been dealing with all these injury issues. You know, he had that weird kind of half season where he played in the French League for a while and hasn't really played like in a real club, in a club volleyball setting for like, f what, f three or four years at least now. So whereas at the same time, Nicholas Agoff is, was playing, had an unbelievable season there with Berlin playing really well. And also uh, Bartholomew Chenyezzi is like, keeps improving, keeps taking big steps, has a nice spin serve now, you know, has that extremely athletic kind of stretchy attacking style through the middle, still working on his blocking, but offensively, you can't think of too many better middle attackers in the world than Chininezzi. So again, yeah, LaRue for me, not not a big not a big miss to leave him off the roster. And then Daryl Boutour, decent middle, but I kind of doubt that he'll get a lot of playing time during the tournament. Libero, again, Grabenikov, not even a question. Opposite, not a question of who makes the roster, Stefan Boyer, Jean Patry. The question is who will be starting? And so far, Nations League, actually, Boyer's looked pretty good. Uh, I kind of commented before the tournament that he had a bit of a weird club season where he quit Verona halfway through and then went to Qatar and had all this weird stuff. But, he, you know, he looks okay. Still took his training seriously, even playing in a league like Qatar. Attacking-wise in VNL, they've pretty much hit the exact same attack percentage at 47. However, efficiency is a lot higher than for uh, Patry at 34% efficiency versus 29 for Boyer, which shows that Boyer is a lot more error-prone in his attacking than Patry, which I think if you watch them play, you can kind of agree with. Boyer is hitting a lot more into the net, a lot more into the block, kind of not finding those high angles that Patry is able to find. I mean, Patry is huge. He's like 6'10" good jumper so it's not surprising that he's a little 
better at missing than Boye is. Patri, again, better server, both scoring not that many aces, but Patri making a lot less errors. Blocking, Boye is a little better. I think he's quite an underrated blocker. Uh, you know, I think his his maybe is a bit shorter, but has these really long arms, which for me, that seems to make you a better blocker if you're kind of shorter with longer arms. I'm not sure why. This is a theory I still have to explore, but he's one of those players that fits into the arch archetype. But overall, I think Patri is the better player, and he's who I would start at the Olympics. Okay, and finally for France, we have the outside hitter position, which is probably the weirdest one out of all of these. Of course, we have Irvin Engapet, Trevor Cleveno. For me, those are the starters for sure. Cleveno has had a great Nations League. Irvin Engapet, again, playing better with France than he is with the national team. Still probably not playing at his peak. With Engapet, it's always more of an issue of effort sometimes as well. And I don't think we've seen the full effort for him. And then the last two outside hitters are Kevin Tilly and Yassine Luati, who I'm a little surprised by. I mean, Kevin Tilly has not looked that as bad. You know, definitely he looked better in Nations League than he did in his absolutely atrocious season with Cisterna. Actually hitting quite well, hitting 46% uh, efficiency, which is the highest by far of the outside hitters on the team and uh, one of the leading players in usage as well. So definitely looks like a rejuvenated player and passing pretty well as well. We'll see if he can keep that up for the tournament. So... I mean, kind of questionable that you would pick him after his club season, but if he plays like this, especially, I, I feel like he has a much better connection with Tony Udi, especially on the back row attack, hitting that pipe attack, which he very rarely did in his club season, but seems to be going to it a lot more now. Uh, looking, maybe, So maybe it was just a matter of health during a club season. And now that he's healthy, we're seeing kind of back to the old Kevin Tilly. Nice guy, great player, so... You know, as critical as I have been of him in the past, I'm, I'm happy that he's made this roster. I guess the last uh, spot came down to Yasin Lawati or Thibaut Rossard. And even though Rossard had a fantastic uh, season with uh, Viva Valencia, one of the leading scorers of the Italian Super League, I guess, I, I, yeah, I guess uh, Yasin Lawati was the one who got the pick. I'm a little surprised by this as well. Uh, Thibaut Rossard not having the best Nations League. Uh, it looks like he almost might have a small injury or two because he... He does look a little bit banged up. I don't know though. I probably would have gone with Rosard just for the uh, serving potential, for the attacking potential, because with Kevin Tilly, you always you already have your kind of uh, passing specialist outside hitter off the bench. So I would like the other outside hitter to be a guy who you can bring in to bring a little bit more offense to the team. And you know, you might need a serving sub for someone like Tony Uti or for someone like Lagoff, who who doesn't have the most point scoring serve and more of a technical float serve. So a little surprised by that choice. Not surprised that they left off Julian Lineal. I'm sad that he didn't get to play. However, you know, he didn't look great in Nations League playing Libero a lot of the time, which France does not need. Uh, the, his kind of niche, the role that he filled, I think they just felt like Kevin Tilly played it a lot better. And, you know, he didn't play club volleyball last season, so he's a little rusty. Not surprised they left him off the roster, which is too bad because he's been a part of this group forever. Uh, good friends with all these guys, nice guy. So these Olympic picks, man, I mean... <laughs> They're hard for me to even talk about them. I can't imagine how difficult it is for the players to have worked so hard with this group for so long and then uh, not make the roster at the last second. So I'm glad I got to talk about a couple of the rosters already and the rest of them coming out soon. I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. 
hopefully get another one out before the finals, kind of breaking down a finals preview. That would be fun to talk about, maybe even get someone on for that one if anyone's listening, interested in talking. Would love to have you on the podcast. And I'm going to go watch the Golden League finals between Turkey and Ukraine. Very very underrated, guys. These are these are good teams. Plotnitschki, Vietski on Ukraine, Aras Lagumzija on Turkey. Check out the uh, Golden League if you want. If you, Somehow the Nations League is not volleyball for you. Anyway, thanks for listening, guys, and talk to you next time.